all five of those uh, ministry styles are typically activated. The, the, the apostolic is the pioneer. The prophet is the truth teller. The evangelist is the recruiter. Um, the shepherd is the one who cares for the flock. And the teacher is the one to make sure that they're, they're aligned with, with truth. So what we find, even when we work with teams, mm. is that if you can really get people to understand uh, each other through the lens of their Ephesians 4 um, intelligences, mm-hmm. and then you also build a culture, what we call a strengths-based culture, where we honor the strengths of people. I mean, it's amazing what a little bit of work, what, amazing the impact a little bit of work can have on an organization. Welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast helping leaders be a positive catalyst in the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Hello and welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Huntley. It's great to be with you again this week. We have that Disciple Shift Conference coming up in uh, late September or September 19th, 20th. Please go to discipleshift.org, I believe, and uh, and register. That's in the, And if you're anywhere in the Mid-Atlantic, you're going to want to join us because it's important to see parishes that are on fire on multiple levels so that we can learn from each other. It's just so cool you'll want to be there. Today's conversation really is for a limited audience. And so I need you to pay attention because I need you to hear who this is for so that if this isn't you, you can check out now. And so if you're somebody who's in a religious order, a parish priest with an associate, a pastor with several deacons, a bishop with a presbyterate, an owner or manager with staff, parents with children, or a ministry leader and staff of volunteers. This is for you. Everyone else, this is your cue to boot it. My friends, this is an important conversation. And my guest today is Pat Mulno. Pat, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Ron. Great to be here with you and your your friends. Pat, why, why is this, why is our conversation today relevant to those people that I just listed? Yeah. So I, I had an encounter with the Lord back in the, in the late 90s, was evangelized and discipled by evangelical Protestants, and then uh, find my way into Renewal Ministries, Ralph Martin, Peter Herbeck, and went, traveled overseas with them and had amazing formation there. And um, beginning, and I, did, I had a lot of apostolates, I did it, we, myself and some friends created a very robust men's ministry, then beginning in about 2014, I started working with various pastors around leadership development staff. Um, a lot of the stuff that DR is doing now, we did on a very small scale. And what I realized quickly is that um, it's all about, as Ron, as you say, Ron, it's all about getting people right. Mm. And this whole concept of human formation that Pope John Paul uh, established in 19, I guess it was 1992 in his document, I Will Give You Shepherds. Mm-hmm. He identified the four pillars of formation, uh, spiritual, pastoral, intellectual, and human. Mm. And the human dimension is really where we don't do a very good job in the church. You know, Aqu- Aquinas uh, always uh, taught that grace builds on human nature. So that's really our niche. Our niche is really around the human person and human formation. Mm. So here we are. 
Beautiful. So all those people that I talked about at the beginning, they all have in common is they're people, they're humans. And if you're dealing with other humans and you don't understand what we're going to talk about today, you're handicapped. And this is an opportunity, this conversation is an opportunity to recognize that if you're in a position of leadership of any kind at all, whether it's business or in a church, we have an opportunity and even I would go as far as saying a responsibility to understand our nature because if grace builds on nature and we have terrible character, we're in trouble. You're not going to lead anything, certainly not anything of any lasting value. And, and, and so it's important to understand your own nature, but also the nature of those people that God's entrusted to you to work with, to do something really cool. And so Pat, you started an apostolate called Human Formation Coalition. And so just share with people some of the work that you do, because I use it all the time. I've been formed by your organization and uh, continue to send coaches it through your training. So tell us a little bit about what you guys do and why you do it. Yeah. You know, the human person is infinitely complex. <laughs> so, so the way we need to form people can also be complex. So uh, no one organization has all the answers. I will say that at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. There are some other really amazing organizations that are coming up in this human formation space. Uh, Metanoia Catholic down in Ave Maria, Florida, and then um, Dr. Peter Malinowski, who has a podcast called Interior Integration for Catholics. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing more and more emphasis on human formation. Mm. And um, so what we started doing back in, I guess, well, I started doing this coaching cons consulting with parishes in 2014 with a team. And we quickly realized that um, the human formation, especially with clergy, but also with lay leaders, uh, just wasn't really what it should be or could be. And, if you think of uh, if you think of the what is it Matthew twenty two where Jesus talks about the uh, the, the two great commandments uh, love love God with all your heart soul and strength and then love your neighbor as yourself uh, loving God is a lot easier than loving our neighbor <laughs> so so what are we doing and to love ourselves too I mean so if you if you really pay attention mm. uh, it's love your neighbor as yourself so. One of the challenges as humans is sometimes we don't love ourselves very well either. Mm -hmm. So um, a big part of our work in the Human Formation Coalition is really bringing awareness to the teaching of Pope John Paul II in um, that document in 1992, where he talked about the four pillars of formation, mm -hmm. Pastoras Debo Vobis, and then also his work in um, Christophilus Liechi, which is the, the document on the lay vocation um, so we really pay attention to those those documents, and we and we build um, we we build some training to help Catholic leaders and Catholic accompaniers come alongside people in a way that allows them to these persons themselves or the persons they're coming alongside to really step into how God created them. So our mm -hmm. the apostolate is formed based on uh, we formed it based on the vision of Ephesians two ten. You are God's masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus to, to do good works, which he prepared for you in advance. So it's it's relationship with the Lord, it's identity in terms of what, what God put inside of us and its mission. So relationship, identity, mission. So we do a lot of 
working with leaders to awaken them mm. to this more robust vision of human formation. And we do some training. So we trained. So Ron, you were in our very first cohort mm -hmm. in 2017 when we did it in person. You flew into Pittsburgh and we did. We had 40 people. You and Father James mm -hmm. trained you both. Yeah. And then uh, since then, we moved actually in 2019 before COVID, we moved online. Mm. And I think since 2017, we probably have trained 400, 400 That's coaches. Awesome. I don't, we don't count, <laughs> um, but we just keep training them. And uh, it's been an incredible gift. And the way some of those people have actually grown and used that in their mm. context has been just remarkable fruitfulness. I, I think it's beautiful. We were just talking before we hit the record button that I ran into a, a nun in the lineup at the, at the airport and her, her phone froze her apple i phone froze i'm like hey sister she's in full habit so it was easy to see she was a nun said, hey you know can i give you a hand yeah that's great i've had iphones my whole life it's never frozen and we get talking she tells me where she's from and that her order is doing some work on leadership and she's from your neck of the woods i said wait a minute you don't happen to know pat molino do you and she's like pat molino <laughs> oh my god yeah. and then uh you know told her about the wide renovation and she said, oh, I was in the first class with you. And I just thought it was so beautiful to, so the work that you're doing and, you know, I, I know there's uh, two cohorts in Australia that are uh, getting to, you know, uh, getting trained through human formation coalition as well. And so I guess one of the cool things about being online is it's just opening up the space to, for people to access what you do. What do you do? What tools do you use? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, we use different tools and there's there's no shortage of tools it's really all in how the the person doing the accompanying is trading in the tools we find there's two tools that we use quite a bit one is clifton strengths mm -hmm. uh 28 million people have taken that assessment mm -hmm. and over the last six or seven years we've built an amazingly robust training program around that mm -hmm. And then there's another tool that we use that has been also highly effective in a lot of leadership contexts. And that's the APES toll, which is based on Ephesians 4, 7 through 12. Mm -hmm. Some are apostles, some are prophets, some are evangelists, some are shepherds, some are teachers. So it's really about what is your ministry style? Mm -hmm. And um, so what we have found is strength finders really helps us discern how, how we do things. Whereas APES, ministry styles, is really more about what things we do. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the history of the church, if you look at the dynamic movements of the church or the dynamic religious orders, they, they typically, if they're functioning in a healthy way, all five of those uh, ministry styles are typically activated. The, the, the apostolic is the pioneer. The prophet is the truth teller. The evangelist is the recruiter. Um, the shepherd is the one who cares for the flock and the teacher is the one to make sure that they're, they're aligned with, with truth. So what we find, even when we work with teams, mm -hmm. is that if you can really get people to understand uh, each other through the lens of their Ephesians 4 um, intelligences, mm -hmm. and then you also build a culture, what we call a strengths-based culture, where we honor the strengths of people. I mean, it's amazing what a little bit of work, what, amazing the impact a little bit of work can have on an organization. So uh, our niche really is, I mean, we do some coaching, very limited, because we want to learn, because that's really our laboratory. Mm -hmm. But really, our impact is what we call equipping equippers. So what we did with you and Father James in 2017, what we've done with, I'll bet we probably have trained at least 
50 or 100 clergy. We're now training seminarians. We've been doing that for a couple of years. So there's there's a couple of really, really pioneering uh, seminary rectors and seminary formators that really understand the importance of, of this, this element of human formation. That's beautiful. And, and I know for me in the work that I do, Pat, because I always use those two tools as I get to know pastors and their leadership team so that we can work really well together. You know, if we, if we, if we form intentionally when we do storm, because all relationships storm eventually, the goal is to storm well, not to not storm at all. We will storm. But if, we, if we've formed intentionally, hopefully we can storm well so that we can get back to normal, so that we can get back to performing, like get back to doing the things that we love best that have the biggest impact for the kingdom. And I think one of the problems with a lot of pastors and churches and even business organizations, well, not even business organizations as well, we take for granted that, you know, when you hire somebody, you bring a new people on or you start a new project that, hey, we're all Catholic. We're all nice people. Everything's great. Isn't this wonderful? And then when we, when we somebody insults us or, or does something to hurt our feelings, you know, the, it's almost like, well, and they call themselves Catholic. It's like, well, you don't expect Catholics to disagree or to, 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 to you know, bug each other, get into each other's skin. We don't have a way, way to get back. But the priests and the leadership teams are transformed by the work we do together. These tools are a really big help. But one of the things I don't do, and I wish I had time to do because I'm passionate about it and I love it, but I don't have time to do it, is how do we mobilize that within an entire parish? Like not just with the pastor and his leadership team. How do we do that within an entire parish? And this is to me the next evolution of the work I do with churches is to connect them honestly with you guys because you train people in that. And so, you know, what's what what could that look like in a yeah. parish, in your opinion? Uh, so one of my collaborators, um, Josh Miller, and his and his mm-hmm. co-author. Luke Burgess, I think they might have trained you uh, in the yeah. in, in the code tool. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, Luke wrote an article once, and I think the title was something like, Imagine a Vocation Director in Every Parish. And not necessarily, I mean, vocation is much larger than, than state of life vocation, but mm. vocation in terms of really helping everybody in the parish to discern how God has uniquely and wonderfully gifted them and how he's calling them out into the temporal order to renew and re- to renew and reform the temporal order. So, mm-hmm. so like my dream, uh, when I, so we do a lot of work with young seminarians, and and what mm-hmm. I tell these guys all the time when I get to talk to them is, uh, my dream for you is someday CEOs will come to your parish to be trained right. on how to renew the temporal order because you know so often this the church goes to the world. Yeah. For leadership principles, whereas the world should be coming to the church. Everything we need to to know about leadership is in Catholic teaching, Catholic social teaching and biblical truth. Amen. And we just don't do a very good job. Uh, So. So that's what I tell young, young priests that we train and we work with that are seminarians or young seminarians, I should say. We work with some young priests, but I find a lot of fruitfulness working with young guys and young seminarians I mm, think, so that's beautiful and i know that was the thing like i remember we had uh, somebody from alpha international come and stay at our church for a month and uh 
That's a long time. You know, you might think people are pretty cool and invincible, but you stick around them a month, you're going to figure out all their cracks and, and they're maybe not exactly who you thought they were and things don't go quite as smooth as you think they are from the outside. And so she was leaving and I asked her, you know, what are you taking away with you? I mean, you've been here for a month. And she said, well, I get to travel at different parts of the world and, and do this with leading churches. She said, what I realize about St. Benedict Parish is I've never seen a parish with more leaders in my life. Yeah. And I'm saying, I'm telling you right now, that was not unintentional. That was so intentional, yeah. it wasn't funny. And Alpha, Connect Groups, forming people through teams. And yeah. we had somebody who led, um, at the time we weren't familiar with APEST, but we would have done that too. But she ran Clifton Strength Finders training within the church for all kinds of different groups, married couples and everything else. And all of these tools combined were raising up people who could speak about their faith, who understood the vision, who were laying down their life to make the, the vision a reality. And so they've never seen that before. And so it tells me it's possible. And I, I really believe these tools are a really helpful way of getting from yeah. here to there. I want to share a story. So mm. I don't even know what year it was, but this was when it was really very, you know, DR was very small. And I think it was you and Father James. But he had to come into Pittsburgh, my hometown, to, to visit. He was speaking at, I think, a religious or I can't remember why he was in town. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, he wasn't able to bring you. I think he was speaking to a religious order and he wasn't able to bring you. And he said, you know, Pat, so I met with him. We met for a cup of coffee. I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, Pat, mm -hmm. I'm traveling without Ron. I don't like traveling without Ron because I need to send a message, a message of clergy and lay collaboration, mm. a message of leading out of a team, mm. not just leading a team. And I will tell you that I feel like if there's one, there's many gifts that Father James has, has left this movement, yeah. but one of them is his witness and his message about leading out of a team versus leading a team. Mm -hmm. And lead, a key part of leading out of, the, out of a team is understanding the God-given uniqueness of yourself and those on your team. And that's really at the core of what we, what we try to do at Human Formation Coalition. That reminds me of a story I was just telling the other day. Uh, I remember when I came, I was working part-time as the Director of Evangelization. I was responsible for Alpha and Connect Groups. And, and then there was a small hiatus where I stepped away because things were growing so much and my secular job was was taking was increasing in responsibility. But then it, it just God worked miracles and ended up coming on full time. And there was a person at the parish who didn't particularly like me. And so when she heard I was leaving, I'm sure she rejoiced. But when she heard I was coming back full time, she was mortified. And so she called an emergency meeting with Father James. And she sat him down and said, Father James, I'll tell you right now, Ron Huntley's not good at this. He's not good at this. He's terrible at that. He's not good at this. He's terrible at that. And he's terrible at this. And Father James said, I know. And I didn't hire him for any of those reasons. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's fun about that is when you know somebody's strengths, you don't have to assume they have to be great at everything. And because of that, he could face this person who's, who's obviously really frustrated and diffuse it because he absolutely agreed with her. He wasn't denying it, but the key is we all don't have to be good at everything to be wildly fruitful in the context of a team. And what's so fun about Father James is he didn't know how to do this. 
he learned how to do this. And and so that was so, that's the thing I love about his yeah. witness is he didn't do that at all. And, 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 and so what was a weakness became a strength, but not because it was easy, because yeah. he was willing to go through the pain of personal transformation and we we're willing to go there with him as he called us into that collaboration together. And so for all those leaders out there, though, yeah, I'm just not good at this or I could never be a Father James. Father James would be the first to tell you, not good at that stuff at all. We all had to learn that together. And, uh, and I think that's the heart of, of this whole movement of parish renewal. The person who's going to be renewed the most is you. And so if you're in leadership, your transformation is going to be the very model for everybody else in your church. But if you think they're the problem, you'll never bring about parish renewal in your church. Amen. Yeah. You know, when I think of Father James, I think of, um, I use this phrase all the time. Uh, my full-time work is, I, I do HFC a, a day a week, but my full-time work is we have a large home improvement business with yeah. over a hundred employees. And, uh, but I talk a lot with my leaders and our people about failing forward. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing Father James did well. He would fail and he would fail forward. He'd get back up. He'd fail again. He'd fail. I mean, I, you know, uh, we might as well tell, tell your listeners, Ron, that, that well, my team was your first coaching client. Yes. And, and I saw when we got to know Ron, I saw the talent in Ron for coaching and, uh, I just had this inspiration to uh, ask him if we could pay him to train coaches that we had coaching into parishes locally. Mm -hmm. And Joe Killian was your, was the first person you coached. Yeah. And, uh, and he was just, it was so amazing. And I just felt like, I felt like that was an inspiration from the Lord, uh, mm -hmm. glory to the Lord that, that that happened. And, uh, I never would have imagined, Ron, that here we are, you know, I don't know, probably seven or eight years later and all these parishes that have been touched by the divine renovation and then the work that you're doing now and just mm. this multiplication. So it's been an incredible gift from the Lord. Yeah. And your gift to me by being by being obedient to that call or that, yeah, that pull you had on your heart. Like I was thinking about it, but I didn't know how to go about it. And so your offer to, hey, Ron, would you, could I pay you to coach some of the guys I have that are out there doing the work we do? I remember going to Father James and said, hey, listen, can we do this? We'll give all the money to the church. And I said, because I think I can do this, but I'll know for sure after this. And and so <laughs> you did a fabulous job I mean, so much fun with Joe. Like I just I'll never forget Joe. He's been on the podcast himself and and uh and it gave me the confidence I needed to go, wait a minute, I can make a difference with people. And so then I went back to Father James. I remember having the conversation about bringing that to what we were doing at Divine Renovation. And well, and it wasn't even a ministry at that point. It was just a book. And uh, but all these people were calling. And I said, what do you think if I brought some people on board and started coaching them? Because I think our next level of integrity is not going to be not come from us building a bigger church, but other people building their churches. And he said, do you think I could do it? I said, I don't know, but I'm willing to give it a shot. But you're, you seeing that in me and inviting me to give that a try with you gave me the confidence to do what I did, which launched that entire arm at Divine Renovation. Yeah. And so isn't it funny how God uses people? Like, isn't it crazy? You're in Pittsburgh. I'm in Nova yeah. Scotia, Canada. Like, come yeah. on. 
You know, you know what's interesting. I'm, I'm just thinking about this today. Uh, yeah. When I when I think back of the fruitfulness, um, you know, when you look at what's going on in the world politically, in the United States politically, all the craziness that's going on, and then the church and the the institutional dimension of the church. You know, they're closing and. Mm. But I think that what I see, so I had my conversion, I'm 58 years old. I had my conversion when I was in my early thirties, there were no young adults. Like it would, like if you, if you encountered the Lord, when you were in your, in, in the late nineties and the early thirties, you became Protestant. There was no option in the Catholic church. Right. And, and I, what I'm seeing, and I guess I want to encourage your listeners. What I'm seeing is, I mean, I know we have less men in the seminary. I get that. And some of our parishes are closing. But I am seeing the hand of the Lord move with lay leaders in ways that I never would have, uh, Ephesians 3.20, I never would have thought, asked, or imagined back in the late 90s. And I'm talking about movement in the church. I'm talking about Catholic leaders, guys like you, obviously. But I'm also talking about Catholics that are really living their baptismal call in the marketplace, in yes. politics. I mean, the, the, the lay vocation has just matured in, in the innovation, mm. the entrepreneurial spirit, the, disintermediate, the, the use of technology. Look at uh, the Augustine Institute. Look at Scott Hahn's ministry. Mm. Look at Ascension Press, Matt Pinto. I mean, there's just so many apostolic uh, Catholic entrepreneurs that are doing amazing things in the church. And we just need to be celebrating the wins. Mm. I agree. I love the word mature. It really has matured. I remember one point we had a group of people from different parts of the world that Father James brought together in Halifax, just because he'd run into people just like you're talking about who are doing amazing things and would say, hey, do you know this person? Do you know that person? Nobody knew each other. And so he said, if I had an event in Halifax, would you come? And they said, yes. And so we had them there. And it was amazing because that night, um, you know, as we were preparing to host everybody, you know, James said, hey, you know, if you find some people that you really want to spend some time with, you know, invite them out for dinner tomorrow night and just take them out for dinner and get to know them. So I said, perfect. And so I got together with, you know, three absolute utter heavy hitters, all three of them I really, really looked up to. They had national, international ministries. And, uh, and at one point during dinner, I just turned to the guy beside me and I said, hey, you know, what's going on in your parish for evangelization? I'd love to learn more. And he looked at me and he goes, my parish? I'm like, yeah, nothing. I'm like, what? Well, wait a minute. You, you have a, literally an international ministry. You, your pastor's not using you? Like, what What do you mean? It's like, no. I'm like, wow, I'm so sorry. So then I looked at the other guy and said, how about you? What in your parish? What's going on for evangelization? How are you being used? My parish? Yeah. Oh, yeah, nothing. It's like, what do you mean? And all three of them had the exact, same story, Pat. So here's these lay giants in terms of this call that mm -hmm. God has in their life, their capacity, their willingness to, to sacrifice and lay things down and zero usage in the local parish by their pastor, zero. And I'm thinking to myself, I, sometimes, not all the times, but there are many parishes who have these people that are unbelievably capable and confident and they never ever get tapped. And if they step when these guys have stepped forward and asked, and the answer was no. It kind of reminds me of uh, <laughs> um, oh, Amazing Parish, Pat uh, Lencioni. Yeah. 
went to his bishop said i i speak at the global leadership summit more than anybody else i do all this work for all these other evangelical churches uh i like to offer my services for free <laughs> it's like no thanks <laughs> yeah what are your thoughts that's on really that? a you know ron that's really a, a a failure of human formation and if you look at the document i don't know the name of the document but in, in vatican ii there was a the, the document on the on the priesthood there's a paragraph in there. One of the priests that we work with showed it to me. It talks about the priest should be equipped to discern and steward the charisms, the gifting, the talents within the flock. Mm. You know, I, I had a bishop invite me to a, a diocese uh, into his one of his staff, one of his meetings with his his entire staff. Mm. This was a, several years ago. And this diocese might have had, I don't know, maybe 50,000 people in the pews on a Sunday. Hmm. And, I, and I said to him in front of his whole group, I said, you know, Jesus changed the world with 12. You have 50,000 in the pews every Sunday. You have more than enough to transform this entire region. Mm. And, um, and that's really the mindset we need to have, in my opinion. Yeah. But you said, you know, formed to to recognize and equip these people. What did you, what's that line again? It was so good. Yeah, um, I don't have the exact line. Mm. I should probably write it down, but it's something like- It's beautiful. Uh, the priest should have, should be equipped or trained to discern- And steward. And steward yes. uh, the charisms of, of the flock mm. and, and the really, talents of the flock. Yeah, and I find in a, in a large way, that's what- that's the work I do with pastors and their leadership teams. Instead of just doing all the work, mobilize and call other people to join you in the, you know, the harvest yeah. is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Like pray to God to, to for labors. And, yeah. and I think he, ha I think they're there to your point, 50,000 versus 12. Um, and the work that you guys do uh, is a really important part of that because that's what I find as people grow in self-awareness because one it's a really important part of being a great leader is growing in your self-awareness and then you become aware of the gifts that God's distributed to other people you begin to realize that diversity is God's a plan amen diversity amen. is God's a plan and so if you don't know a language to understand yourself and others, you're at a significant disadvantage as a leader to be able to work in ways that you get a multiplicative effect on the work you're doing. You know, one plus one equals three when you allow the spirit to move you and grow you to become aware of yourself and others. It's just too cool. Yeah. I, uh, before the recording run, we were talking about uh, this 2024. So we've you know, over six or seven years, we perfected this training around the Clifton Strengths Toll and the APES Toll, and it's just it's it's been amazingly effective and fruitful. But our next iteration of development and raising up and equipping equippers, raising up coaches, is taking um, some of the amazing work uh, around the coach approach around non-directive coaching by the International Coaching Federation. I've been trained now as an executive coach. Our executive director is now trained as a coach. Mm -hmm. We're actually going to be building, God willing, we're going to be building a, a coach training module for uh, Catholics who are either leaders mm -hmm. or people like in your ministry that are coming alongside mm -hmm. leaders. And um, and the beautiful thing about the coach approach is it, it's it's not telling, it's not it's not teaching, it's not consulting, it's not mentoring. Really, the coach approach, the pure coach approach 
is really acknowledging that inside that person is God's masterpiece. There's there's calling, there's there's just the the image of God, the Imago Dei. And how do we really come alongside that person and ask the right questions mm -hmm. and facilitate action so that that person can step into God's destiny for them? So I, I was reading um, uh, Peter Malinowski in one of his podcasts over the weekend. I was, was listening to it talks about um, uh, Catholic anthropology being uh, the origin, the nature, and the destiny of the human person. Mm -hmm. And the ability to, um, to really help people step into God's destiny for them according mm -hmm. to how they're wired, according to what he put inside them, mm -hmm. that's powerful powerful stuff. So we are building more tools. We're also looking at something else. You talk about the human person. So I'm starting to see as we work with more and more leaders that um, there's coaching is really the present moment and forward. It's moving, it's growth. It's the present moment and forward. And then there's also what needs to happen. I, I'm learning with leaders is in a lot of cases, myself included, sometimes you got to go back to go forward. So what are the what are the wounds of the past? What's the the origin of your family? I mean, what are those what are those impediments that are really impeding your ability to be all you can be mm. and to love other people? So I'm really starting to pay attention to what does it look like to um, create the conditions for people to look back? You know, it doesn't always necessarily need to be therapy. There's right. other types of ministry and process that can help people really look back and find healing genograms and uh, Dr. Peter's doing the uh, internal family systems, which seems to be pretty effective. So how do we look back and how do we look forward? So really that's, that's a little more of a holistic approach to the mm. person that we're starting to pay attention to. We're, we're kind of new and do a lot of this, as I said earlier in the call, mm. the human person is complex mm -hmm. and accordingly the delivery models are going to be complex. Mm. So we haven't figured it out. We're all together on this journey. Amen. Amen. Well, I really love too how Peter and Ralph, I didn't know that uh, they, you know, pulled you in and invested in you when you were younger. And, and just that just makes my makes me smile. Um, just how big an impact we can have on others when we pay attention to opportunities, see people's capacity and call them close, develop a true friendship, bring them to Christ and unleash them in the world. What a great, uh, yeah, what a great testament to I would have probably, I would have probably left the, because back in the late nineties, like when mm. I would have left, the, we would have left the church because yeah. when we went to, we went up to Ann Arbor to be with Ralph and Peter and that whole team mm -hmm. there, there weren't any young adults in their thirties, in their early thirties. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it was all people 50, 50 and over. Mm. And now it's different. Now they're doing a, they have a young adult ministry. It's very robust. Another testimony to the change in the church. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you just never know the impact you're going to have. And the impact that they had on me and my wife has been just unbelievable. So. That's so good to hear. I hope they listen to this episode. I'm going to call Peter and tell him, got to listen. I'll actually have to call Father James now, too, because we spent a lot of time talking about his beautiful impact. Pat, I don't want to leave without letting people know. I'm just really encouraging our listeners. And again, I'm telling you, get in touch with Human Formation Coalition. Uh, they're having cohorts from time to time. Like, get on the list. How do people do that? Can you explain to them how to reach you? And yeah, yeah. So we, what we do, uh, Gallup is an amazing organization, mm -hmm. but they're a for-profit organization and they're secular. You can pay Gallup 
$7,000 to go through things, strength training, and, and it's wonderful. It's great. Mm -hmm. We've built a model that really costs us because it, we're a nonprofit and we have people working at a very discounted rate doing the training. We've built a model that uh, allocated costs, costs us around 1000 We Through benefactors, we discounted down to 500 and then we scholarship below that. So we, we turn away very few people into our cohort. So so if you go to um, humanformationcoalition.org, humanformationcoalition.org, mm -hmm. I think there's an info button. Uh, Jeff, reach out to us. Jeff, our executive director, will be in touch with you. Mm -hmm. And we have, I think we have three cohorts starting on September 7th. They might be filled up. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. uh, send us an email. Ron, fill them up with your team. <laughs> we have, like I think, a bunch of people from Australia. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll start another one, I guess, later in the fall. I'm, I don't mm -hmm. have any dates yet. Mm -hmm. But uh, Jeff Yannick is our executive director. He's really our, our full-time person. Uh, but yeah, just visit our website and yeah. any thoughts or suggestions on how we can really elevate in this human formation space. Mm. We're, we're pioneers. I mean, we're all pioneers in this space in yeah. different ways. So appreciate any feedback. That's great, Pat. Listen, I really appreciate the work you're doing. Thank you for not leaving the Catholic Church when uh, when you had an evangelical friend bring you into a relationship with Christ. Thank you for investing in making the Roman Catholic Church what it was always meant to be. Um, I really appreciate you. And thank you, Ron. And thank you. I just, I just, I just smile every time I think of how we start, how we've been together for so many years now. When you were starting out, you and Father James together were just an amazing team and. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Right so. on. All right. Well, listen, and thank you to all you listeners that are tuning in week in and week out. Thank you for sharing. Hit the, the like button, the thumbs up if you're on YouTube. Uh, please rate the podcast if you're listening to it on iTunes. All those things help. We really appreciate it. Thank you for what you do to make your church and your community and the world great and for bringing Christ right into the heart of that. God bless you, and we'll see you next time. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.